to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym. And before I get to my super fantastic guest today, I just want to direct you one more time to my Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash thebedpostshow is the place where you can see um, all kinds of little solo mini episodes about my professional life as a dominatrix and also my personal life as a kinky polyamorous gal. And I also write original erotica stories and I um, record me reading them in my sexy, sexy voice. And I put fun music with them as well. And uh, another thing, if you're on the top tier, there are also some professional quality pics and videos of the sexiest nature. So if you're uh, either interested in any of those Patreon offerings or you've just been a listener of the Bedpost podcast for the past, you know, three, three and a half years, however long it's been, and you want to throw me a couple bucks, you can do so at the Patreon, not the Patreon.com, Patreon.com slash the Bedpost show. So I, I am so excited to be on location. Um, the episode that you will have heard a couple weeks ago was with Trevor from Provocateur Images. Uh, him and my guest today are, are basically besties. So we are still in studio. <laughs> right now at this lovely photography studio and uh trevor's bestie is indeed the board certified sexologist den temen hi den hi Aaron. how are you it's a pleasure to be coming back yes coming back i love to come all the time i know and coming back is just as as good as coming forward Come however you want. Come as you are. Exactly. <laughs> Which is one of our sponsors. Um. <laughs> there you go. Oh my God, this was perfect. I love Come As You Are. They have great merch. They're amazing people. Yep. Their sex ed, their little pamphlets are amazing. They're mm-hmm. for everybody. Now that we're going to be talking about Pride, because it's Pride Month, I mean, it's really rare to find stores that are sex positive and incredibly inclusive without it being just a saying, right? Everybody keeps on saying how inclusive they are. Yes, they do they say that. Yeah, no, yeah. everybody says that, yeah. but not a lot of people really are. And it takes a lot of personal work to do that. So come as you are. Thank you for coming with us and uh, bringing you <laughs> bringing you back to the show. Yeah, it, it, it is so true. Like, especially this month, all the businesses, all the corporations are, are talking the talk, but, mm-hmm. you know, probably not walking the walk. Or wheeling the wheelchair, you know, whichever way it is. But, mm-hmm. like, they're... they're they're talking the talk, but not really putting their money where they're where they should, right? I mean, I was walking with my partner um, in Eaton Center. I think I was telling you this uh, this weekend, and I was looking at all the stores, right? And now all of the stores have rainbows, or they have clothes with rainbows. Rainbows are everywhere. I mean, I feel like I'm in an '80s episode of Rainbow Bright, um, which is great. And I'm like, okay, so when I was my 16-year-old self. I think I would have really appreciated to know that maybe society wasn't as scary as it was. And I know that I come from a different era and it's always scary for different people. We haven't really gotten anywhere where we should be. But at the same time, so the visibility of having the rainbows everywhere is super supportive. And and I would love that. But guess what? If all those stores don't said that they would donate 5%, not even 15 but 5% of all the earnings during Pride Month to something like LGBT Youth Line or the LGBTQI uh, Youth Shelter or any of the orgs that actually support our communities, then great, fly your rainbow flags, the trans flags, whatever you want. But where are we actually putting the money? Where are we investing our resources? It's more like they're trying to just profit off of Pride Month rather than actually supporting... The community. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so boo to them. Boo to them if they're not investing in us. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, how, how many the, how many queer employees do you have? How even? many queer how employees many, do you have? Yeah. What do you, what does it mean to be an ally, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. What does as um, you are a queer person? I'm a queer person. I am queer and trans, so I identify uh, as a queer because it's a political identity. And for those of you that don't understand queerness, it's not only about my sexuality, but about all my different identities. Being an immigrant makes me queer. Who I fuck makes me queer. Who I love, because I might be queer not just for the people I fuck, but for the people I love. And I fuck anything that I'm attracted to. Consents um, is not a minor, not an animal. So I don't care about the bits. I care about how the bits go into me. <laughs> and how not. it makes me feel. How it makes me feel, how I enjoy it. <laughs> So that's my sexuality, and I'm also a genderqueer trans person. So I'm in all the flags. Mm-hmm. Kinky, slut, polyamorous. And what are your pronouns for My folks? pronouns are they, them. Are they, them. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then I'm going to ask you the exact same kind of question that you just kind of stated there. What does being an ally to the queer community mean to you? Oof. Well, I guess we're starting with the heavy part. <laughs> You're starting with a huge question. Well, you're starting with a huge question. I think that being an ally is very, is a very personal definition, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that you're that you're manifesting and you're and you're doing in whichever way you can do. But I think that if I really have to think about it, it's not only about saying it; it's about living it in whichever way and doing small or big actions that you can do to show respect acceptance, support, and an understanding that there is a marginalization by society for people who identify as queer. Mm-hmm. I think that being an ally is both the beautiful positive aspects of saying, I'm here supporting you, and also I'm here, I have more privilege than you do, and I'm working really hard to be part of the change I want to see in this society. Mm-hmm. I think that's what an ally is, but it, it takes many different spheres, right? It's a lot of people just, again, and I just did it, talk about the doing, but I think that there's a lot of reflecting of your own personal journey to say, well, how have I changed um, in terms of supporting queer people? Because, I mean, I'm going to out Trevor there a little bit. Um, <laughs> but Trevor and I have had really interesting conversations. I mean, he does identify as this is gender white male mm-hmm. who's an ally in many ways, right? Mm-hmm. And we talk about where he grew up. I grew up in a city that has a whole population of Canada in it, right? Mexico City is mm-hmm. a city where 32 million people inhabit, so it's huge, right? In the in the 80s and 90s, and Trevor grew up in what I consider a small town in Ontario, probably yeah. a city, but I consider it a small town. Mm-hmm. So our realities were very different. And what we had access to in terms of knowledge and visibility was very different. And so maybe the Trevor 20 years ago is very different than the Trevor 20 years now because of all the access he has had to different people, to different communities, right? And it's been a journey of learning. So you just don't wake up and are an ally. It's a journey of becoming an ally. And it's both an internal and an external um, journey. It's relational. How do you relate to people and how do you relate to yourself and actually say, you know what, I'm pretty ignorant about your reality. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to be queer, to have grown up queer, to have different desires than I do, to want to have sex with different people, or the way that you identify and express your gender. I have no clue. It's about vulnerability and being able to say that. I have no clue, but I want to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm not expecting you to teach me. Mm-hmm. But can we learn together? Can I change? Can I assess my own values and attitudes and understand where I come from mm-hmm. and how that has affected or supported your own marginalization? Mm-hmm. And what can I do to change that? Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, that just briefly that, you know, say 20 years ago or even further back, um, that representation has, has gone up tons. Like we're, we're coming pretty, we've come pretty far from say 20, 30 years ago, as far as representation goes, what was it like when you were growing up, you know, as a queer individual and realizing that, what what was it like? Yeah, in Mexico City? 
Uh, you mentioned to me you, it was quite conservative family as well. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a Jewish Mexican, you know, that's not very common because my country is 95% Catholic. So I was marginalized within the marginalization. Right. So it's pretty, the Jewish community in Mexico has to be, or they think they have to be, they don't have to be, but they think they have to be pretty insular to protect themselves. I mean, we're talking about anti-Semitism, right? And so coming from a very insular society, the best thing that you can do is to belong and not be different. And so if, if you're queer, they already think that you're different within the Jewish society, right? Yes, because yeah, the yeah. best thing you can do is marry somebody from your opposite gender or sex, right? Procreate mm -hmm. and uh, make your mother a grandma mm -hmm. because that's the only thing that will define a woman in traditional Jewish Mexican society. Yeah. You know? And so for me, it was pretty hard understanding that that was the path. I also come from a family um, where I'm the first generation not to be forced and arranged to marry. Mm. So my case is very different than others. Like, I can only talk about my own particular yeah. um, case. But, like, with the minute that the minute that you start finding out and connecting to your desires and understanding from the messages in society and from other people that that's not okay, you start developing shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You start developing this shame about being different and because it's, it's, it's very negative messages, right? Yes. About gay people and lesbians and trans people, both from TV, teachers, your friends, your parents, and you hear them and they're inadvertent. They might not be in your face, but they're everywhere. And you start developing this shame about yourself and about your desires. And your desires become something that's, that, are, that are bad things, that is not okay. Yeah. And everybody wants to be loved and belong. Mm -hmm. And so in order to be loved and to belong, mm -hmm. if you have to hide mm -hmm. aspects of yourself or deny aspects of yourself, then you do end up belonging, but who ends up belonging? Your mm -hmm. alter ego, that which you created because you carry the shame. So for me, it was hard. It was hard because I had desires that I thought were wrong when I started understanding, um, that I really buried very deeply. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want to be picked on. Mm -hmm. So I had a few years where in school I was I was part of the people that I was not visibly queer. I don't know what that could mean, but I didn't definitely didn't look. I was very feminine. I didn't look like what I look now. Mm -hmm. And I think I was part of the group of people that would bully other people that looked a little bit more queer. Really? Yeah, just to protect myself. It's so sad. It was. It was it was it was hard. And so, like, when I said walking around Eaton Center, seeing the flags and having a little bit more positive messages, that, that would have been different for me. Mm -hmm. So. Because that was, like, nowhere. That was, like, nowhere. What about, what about on anywhere, like, on in media? Media. Yeah. Didn't even exist back then. Uh, <laughs> I didn't grow up with the internet. So we grew yeah. up with TV yeah. where the only characters that were either gay or trans Forget lesbians. You didn't see lesbians in TV yeah. or queer people. But we had the gays yes. who were the pedophiles or the strange men that you had to take care of. You know, like, don't don't talk to strangers. We're the gay people that were probably going to abduct you and, and rape you. Really? Um, so it was associated with pedophilia. Yeah, it was pedophilia. pedophilia and trans people were just like... Mentally ill. Mentally ill yeah. people, right? Like, yeah. it was the images that we got. And you didn't yeah. see people holding hands. Like, I remember I immigrated to Canada, or I came to Canada in 1999, mm -hmm. um, 20 years ago this summer. Wow. And um, even then, it was hard to see people holding hands, right, in public. And when I went back to Mexico, I came out of the closet when I was in Canada a couple of years after becoming a super uh, conservative, uh, religious Jewish person. Mm -hmm. um, I was done in the religious garb and everything, and then a girl kissed me, and I was like, wait a minute, no, I don't think... I went to the rabbi, and I was like, a girl kissed me, and I'm pretty happy with the girl, and he's like, no, none of my kind do this, and so I was like, okay, so... Time girl, to choose. Yeah, time to choose, and I chose the girl. Um, How hard was that? 
that's pretty hard because I'm a pretty spiritual, religious person. I'm very connected to my faith. Yeah. It, it still? Yes, still. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Yes, I am a very religious, spiritual Jewish person that embraces their Jew and actually includes it in their clinical practice. I, I like a lot of Jewish philosophy, so that was very hard for me. But it was harder not to exist. And so I chose a girl who was who I also knew from Mexico. Her mom was my chemistry teacher. Wow. Yeah. And we ended up uh, being partners or girlfriends for like um, three years. Uh, and when we went back to visit Mexico, we were still in the closet for a bit, mm-hmm. we wouldn't see anybody holding hands. We wouldn't see anybody like us. We, we didn't see that. And now I go back to Mexico and God Almighty, I see girls holding hands, two yeah. girls holding hands, or a, pers- a queer person or a trans person holding hands with their partners or two boys. Like the amount of diversity visibly in the streets, people kissing and holding hands is just astounding. At the same time, you also see people beating up people. Sure, yes. You know, so yeah. there's there's all of this. It's a fairly complicated thing to talk about pride. Yes. Right? Pride Month is a, is a month to celebrate, but it's also a month to remember our journey as a community, mm-hmm. where we were and where we are now. And understanding that not everybody's experience is the same thing. Yeah. And also a call for us as a queer community to be aware of the privilege that exists within our community. Mm-hmm. We have queer people with disabilities who are not included. Yes. We have queer people of color who are not included. We have queer immigrants who can't access certain spaces or are more prone to contracting HIV because of stigma and wanting to relate to somebody or finding love and feeling incredibly lonely and isolated in a new country. So we are not homogenous. Our experiences are not homogenous and some of us are more privileged than others. And we fail to we fail to do that as a community. We fail to say, okay, who are more we can also be allies within our own communities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? There's this amazing it's a great point. Um, activist Andrew Gursa visibility sexuality um, gay activist within the community you know who who has amazing content and an amazing message right and he keeps on saying why are we not including the voices of queer people with disabilities right and disability doesn't look the same so it's it's about that. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? I feel like I'm right. I don't now. even know what the question was. Okay. It was great. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Andrew Gerza, oh man, yeah, we're going to um, do an episode on his podcast soon where I'm going to bring in a bunch of kink implements mm-hmm. and we're going to just talk through them and see, uh, you know, what ones are accessible, which ones are difficult for him to use or, mm-hmm. you know, not accessible at all. Um, just to talk about, you know, basically the accessibility of kink. So that's another kind of community that's like a little marginalized, like, you know, a little shamed, a little not on the mainstream. Um, and he's like, okay, well, nobody, again, like who is talking about disabled folks in the kink community? No one right. is talking about right. them. Nobody is, uh, um, there is, aren't voices. Nobody's advocating for us. So same thing, like for myself in the kink community, it's like, I have to be an ally for other members in the kink community that right. are less privileged than I am. Right. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. And pride means so many different things to so many people, right? Because I also see a lot of people. I mean, for me, it's this word that I really wanna, I really wanna focus on shame. Yes. Right? Thank you. Yes. This, yeah, this, yeah. this, this, this idea about shame, shame that we carry, right? And shame that we, that we do to other people. Like, I, I, I always say, you can't be shamed unless you already feel shame right if somebody comes and tells me something and i'm like oh my god i'm so ashamed i need to also find out why i'm carrying the shame otherwise somebody could come and tell me something and i could be like no yeah i'm not ashamed your opinion yeah that's your opinion and And it's a very fucked up opinion you need to go and do some education on yourself you know like it's uh (laughs) something's not right with you you're not understanding your privilege but i don't feel shame (laughs) my opinion is that your opinion exactly and this is not about whose kink is okay this is about prejudice and stereotypes and discrimination yes right not about shame shame is when you feel it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but you were saying something important about allyship right it's as important for the person who wants to be an ally to go and seek their journey as the person who needs the ally not to shame the person becoming an ally because they don't know enough, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? 
There's a different... Because we will never know enough. No. Somebody else's plight. We will never never firsthand know what that is like. Exactly. But we tend to like sometimes shame people, Mm -hmm. right? Who are trying to become allies as well. Right. right? We call them out. Right. We we put them in public displays of shame for everybody to see how they're discriminating against us. Yeah, this call-out culture that's happening, like, on social media and whatnot is just... It is very shaming. It's so and, toxic. And yeah. we can do yeah. better, right? Yeah. We can do better. We can call in people. We can do it with authentic vulnerability. We can say, you know what? This hurts. What you're doing is impacting me. Mm-hmm. In, in my clinical practice, I do something where I, where I talk to clients about shame. Yeah. And about intention versus impact. Okay. Right? Everybody focuses so much on the intention. Like, why are you doing this? Or, or what was your intention to say this to me? Without really focusing on the impact and talking about the impact. Hey, my feelings are hurt by what you said. And this is the impact it had on me. Mm-hmm. I'm not judging where it's coming from or why you did it. Mm-hmm. But I need you to understand the impact it's having on me. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you don't speak about shame or why are your intentions. If you did it with good intentions, should... Your good intentions are not gonna like are not gonna change the impact it's having on me, right? It's about having these conversations without this shaming element and talking about our internalized homophobia or our internalized transphobia and talking about shame in a way, in a way that can be authentic and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because and and that's even within the LGBTQ plus community. Of we course. all have internalized shame about our own queerness mm-hmm. right yeah because queerness isn't the same for everybody right yeah, we have go. a flag yeah we have a community yet we're not understanding that each one of us has our own definition yes. right of what queerness means yeah. or what having sexual desires mean towards a certain person i've changed i used to be a lesbian radical separatist right yeah you know yeah, yeah. my journey has been so different you know i grew up straight mm-hmm. right because that's what i had mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. Then I came to Canada, I met a girl, mm-hmm. I felt I needed the community to explore only girls, right? And for a time there I was like, no boys, no, because I think I had a lot of internalized transphobia because I told the woman that I was, that I, well the girl at that time, the girl that I fell in love with, hey, what would happen if I transitioned? And she said, I would leave you. Wow. Wow. And this was the person that I was completely in love with and just exploring my sexuality and I was like... Holy fuck. So I can fuck girls, that's okay. But if I ever think about what it would be like to transition, right? I'll lose everything. I'll lose everything. i lose everything that I already thought I didn't have. And so that's the complex thing about it. I'm queer and trans. Mm-hmm. And in my journey, I had to hide my transness to accept my sexuality and then be like, okay, wait a minute. Now that I've, I've got my sexuality under control. I gotta work on this other thing. I gotta thing. work on this other thing. Yeah. And you know what? I think that I will be working on myself for the rest of my beautiful life. Yeah, as we all should be, right? You can never learn it all. No, and so we need to accept that even within our queer community and within the people we love and the people that we struggle with and the people that we fight side to side with, Mm -hmm. there still is a lack of allyship sometimes. Right, And it's okay to say that because then it creates this space for us to be able to accept and be part of the change. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of Andrew Gerza, this is an Andrew Gerza quote. He says, anytime somebody uses, you know, say uses a word or something like that, that he's like, no, I want you to call me this. Like, don't call me that. Call me this. He says, I'm not calling you out. I'm softly calling you in. You know, like Mm -hmm. make mistakes. Like, I want you to, I want to correct you. (laughs) I want to teach you. And I want you to be open to looking like an asshole. Mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. like if we can get to the, on that level where I, c- I can be like oh no 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 don't do that word you don't just say that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. or use my pronouns please there like, you I go know they exactly them, yes they them exactly. are the hardest thing for people I do not understand why but they are yeah it's crazy because people are are so confused by like the grammar thing and that it's a plural it's like look people have been using they them to describe a singular person forever who's at the door what did they want like it's not that hard and to be honest the pronoun is not that important to me it is but it isn't because what's more important to me is that you actually see me and if you actually get to see me see me the pronoun will come easy yeah right it's not about you having to 
and I and I say this to people, it's not about you having to fucking memorize the pronoun until you have it in your head. I mean, everybody can memorize, right? Mm-hmm. But just because you memorize it, that does it mean that you see me? Do you actually see me? Like for my for who I am, for what I'm trying to express? If you did, the pronoun then, would come very could, easily. It would just come. It would just come as what you're seeing or what you're what you're perceiving of me. So it's about having those conversations and actually talking to friends and being like, do you actually understand me? Do you see me? Do you see me as how I see myself? Because maybe you don't. Yeah, and then, great, let's have a conversation let's have a about conversation. to make you, you know, get your understanding, like, up to where I am. Like, so I that... I think it's about that, the vulnerability, like, in sex, in connection... Vulnerability speaks to the fact that you have to be open to the risk of hurt mm-hmm. and knowing that you're open to the risk of something not going the way that you were hoping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the pure definition of vulnerability. You're vulnerable to something hurting, to something not being the way that you were expecting. And if you have that vulnerability of being open to the risk of existing, uh, then you will create authentic connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that an authentic connection, it's, it's those conversations that we have an authentic connection that are, that are going to get us to the place where we need to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I never allow, I, I think I never opened the space for you to ask your question. You start with the Andrew Gersak quote and then I was like, what? Yes. Um, I think it was, oh, I was going to ask, from your perspective, what is the best way to be softly called in? Like, what softly can, called yeah, in? Yeah, what can we do, you know, to, what can an ally do to be softly called in to queer folks? Not be defensive. Yeah, great. Yes. Just realize that it's okay. You're going to make mistakes. Be yeah. vulnerable. Yes. You yeah. don't know everything. Yeah. Be humble. Yeah. Right? But most of all, don't be defensive. Because when somebody is actually trying to tell you, when somebody doesn't want to, when somebody doesn't want to have you near, they won't bother correcting. They you. won't even bother. They correcting won't even you. bother. They you won't even you. bother correcting you. You just won't hear from them again, or you won't be invited to a certain Blocked. event. Blocked. Yeah. yeah. Cancelled. Cancelled. Yeah. That blocked, whole. Yeah. Deleted. Yeah. You know, not invited. But if somebody is actually taking the step to say, hey. They're being vulnerable themselves. Yeah, it's just don't be just yeah. don't be defensive. Just don't don't be defensive. It's okay mm-hmm. to accept that you're a little racist, mm-hmm. a little ableist, yes, a little, a little homophobic, a little transphobic, a little transphobic. Yeah, yeah. ageist, all that ageist, stuff. Ageist, all that. Yeah. Because if you weren't, I'd be kind of worried. Yeah. Right. I'd be kind of worried that you're delusional. That you grew up in a world. That was fucking perfect. Yeah. Because we all we all are. Up, we all have all we that. We all have the, like we have media yeah. and we have teachers and we have we're, when we're children we have politicians and adults deciding what kind of education we're gonna get. Like the sex education that is just happening, all the rollbacks. A bunch of people are deciding that our children are present. It's not our future. The children are not our future. They are our present. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's that's what we're inheriting them. And then, what are we gonna do when they when they're eighteen, nineteen, twenty? And they're total. And they're total homos- You know, yeah. we have to realize that that's the way that we're raising them. That that's the way that, that those are the tools that we're giving them. Mm-hmm. And so I know where I grew up. I know I know where most of us grew up. Whoever is in their forties, <clears throat> their forties, fifties, you know. I don't know who the 20 or 30 years old because that's not my experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm a little older. So I know how our generation grew up and I know how my generation in Mexico grew up. Mm-hmm. I don't know how your generation in Canada grew up. Mm-hmm. But I can almost assure you that we all grew up a little homophobic because I grew up that way. A little transphobic, a little ableist, a little racist. Yeah, so if it. you're telling me that you're not, I'll be scared. Mm-hmm. Because you're hiding something. Yeah, because you're, yes, you are lying. Yeah, you are lying to yourself. yourself. Yes. Yeah. So that acceptance and then not being defensive. And actually just the humbleness of saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is how I grew up. Let Mm -hmm. me just really think and reflect about what you're saying. Understand it. 
and then see what I can do. Mm -hmm. It's a journey. Let's be patient with each other. I, let, let me understand the impact. Mm -hmm. Let me see how I can change. Mm -hmm. Love that. Ugh. On that note, let's take a really quick break. I cannot wait to get into more of this fantastic conversation with you. Thank you so much, Den. Mm. It's amazing. You're Sorry, welcome. I caught, you. You, I caught you on a sip of tea. Awesome. Um, guys, we're going to take a little bit of break, and then we'll be right back with board-certified sexologist Den Temin. take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors shall we first of all oasis aqua lounge is a water themed sex club located right here in toronto at 231 mutual street oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame free when it comes to pleasure and play check them out at their website oasisaqualounge.com Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Designed by Dallas Dominatrix Mistress Petra Hunter, the Sissy Kit provides all-inclusive training packages designed exclusively for sissies. So whether you're a beginner sissy or a full-blown sissy slut, these kits are perfect for those of you looking to spice up your play. These kits are also a great fit for those of you new to the lifestyle or those of you too nervous to visit a dominatrix. Kits are shipped worldwide with flat rate shipping and purchases are billed and shipped discreetly. To get started, visit thesissykit.com. and welcome back to the bed post podcast i'm here with my fantastic guest sexologist whoops sexologist 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 whatever you want me to be yeah <laughs> you'll be my sexologist i'll be your sexologist <laughs> den temen hi den hey everyone so we have a we have a question we've you know, in part have maybe answered it, but this also may open up some cool conversation to kind of a, an adjacent topic. So here we go. This is at Lauren the Corgi on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much, Lauren, for this great question. It is due to some people being hesitant to talk or learn about sexuality, what steps can be taken to avoid bias towards one demographic in studies? And what can we do to avoid sex education being an echo chamber slash preaching to the choir? What a good question. It is. Yes, you can take a look at it I'm while you, take a while look you at ponder. It. Yeah. Well, what do we do to avoid sex education being an echo chamber preaching to the choir? Mm -hmm. First, we have to ask who, who's the echo chamber or who's the choir, right? Like, is that, it's about who has access to sex education, mm -hmm. right? And about being culturally sensitive as well. It's, it's so interesting because I think people are hesitant to talk or learn about sexuality because of shame, mm -hmm. one. And two, because maybe it's not as accessible as we think it is for people, right? I, I don't always, think it is, yeah. We're, almost, we're always... And how, how, do, how do we not also... I mean, I'm thinking about the case here in Ontario. Mm -hmm. from a couple of years ago and now mm -hmm. um people from the latin american community would call me into a radio show to talk about um changes in like in the ontario um curriculum right right before it with when with with when when it changed 
right, into something that we celebrated. People from the Latin American community would call me in and would be like, can you talk about all the changes that are coming? Are they going to teach our kids about blowjobs, right? And there was this mistrust, right, about what changes were coming. But also, I, I do have to say this, there was a lot of racism, right, from the general population because they would specifically target certain communities, people of color or um, Islamic communities, believing that every single one of the people in that community would be against the changes in the curriculum. Right. So, and, we, and we never really talked about that. We never talked about the xenophobia or the very invisible racism that used to be in some of the arguments about why certain communities don't want the changes in the curriculum. Right. Right? So whose choir am I preaching to? Mm-hmm. Right? Other sex-positive people or my Latin American community? Right. Yeah. Right? And who has access to what information? Right? And is it culturally sensitive? And can we make sex education culturally and religious and age-appropriate sensitive without without taking away any of the facts, right? When I speak to Jewish folks, Mm -hmm. I just use a language that is going to be easier for Jewish folks to understand. Mm -hmm. When I speak to religious people, Mm -hmm. having grown up in a religious environment, I don't change the information that I'm teaching. It's just the language. I just change the language in order to be able to connect to people in a better way. Mm -hmm. And same with folks who are you know underage who are kids like yeah. it's, it's the same information age that you're appropriate culturally appropriate culturally sensitive yeah. um to the audience that you have so that you you don't end up choosing what echo chamber or what choir you're going to preach right and understanding i think that i touched upon this understanding where we come from and what our reality is right People are, are hesitant to talk or learn about sexuality because we grow up with shame. We grow up with sex negativity, mm-hmm. right? And just a general lack of sex education. And just or, a general, good, or good sex education. Yeah, and good sex education. For me, good sex education or comprehensive sex education is more than bits. It's more than erogenous zone. It's more than genitals. It's more than... Anatomy. Anatomy. It's about pleasure. It's about desire. It's also about teaching with an anti-racism perspective. It's also about intersectionality and understanding all the different identities. So my sex education has to be anti-oppression, has to be anti-racist, you know? Like, it has to be with with that framework where we talk about racism, where we talk about ableism, Mm -hmm. where we talk about all these things, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and understand that that there are going to be stereotypes. So, and I don't I don't want to say that my sex education is queer, right? Mm-hmm. Or or only for queer people. Well, I, I guess I do want to say that my sex education is queer, just merely by the fact that I don't go to alternative schools and teach about queer sex only. I go to everywhere I go and teach about queer sex everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I just talk about bits. Our bits are genitals in a, in a generalized way, whether I'm with swingers. I'll use the same language when I'm teaching swingers mm-hmm. than when I'm teaching a class at the 519. Great. It's yeah. the same language. I'm not going to go preach to the choir. My sex education just is sex education where I can also include a bit. And I say this, if you're a person that likes to fuck vulvas, mm-hmm. You know, it's not who you're fucking. It's the genital that like, I'm, I need to teach you how to pleasure that specific genital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. maybe it's a man with a vulva, mm-hmm. but you want to give pleasure to the genital. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe it's a gal with a, with a large external clit, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they call their, whatever they call pieces, it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that, that's not, I think that, and I got to this point, Right. I used to be a hesitant sexual educator because I used to carry my own shame. So maybe my presentations and the way that I present the material has changed because I have learned. So due to some people being hesitant to talk or learn about sexuality, what steps can be taken to avoid bias? I think that we spoke about this a little bit. Like what steps can be taken? Awareness, vulnerability, humbleness, being accountable, right? Mm -hmm. And not... Not having biases in all the different ways, mm-hmm. right? 
or teaching about anti-racism is as much as teaching bits in anatomy or pleasure or yeah, pleasure-based education yeah and so, with the you mentioned swinging community because you do uh provide education to a lot of folks in the swinging community i do right? i've become some sort of like uh <laughs> whisper swingers whisper swingers whisper because I, the swinger community though is very heteronormative right yeah or, or fairly they're, they're fairly heteronormative yes so right there you're not preaching to the choir oh no god no i'm not preaching to the choir they're as different as they can be from me yeah yeah you know um and this i just came back from an sdc event called sixperience in cancun okay it was fun i love that group it was a lot of fun like two two weeks ago uh, two or three weeks ago i was there and i took one of my best friends uh a person I used to bully because uh, he was gay and more visibly gay than I was. Wow. And then I found him in Montreal and we reconnected. And he, I took him as my assistant. He loves right now to wear dresses. Mm-hmm. Like he's a fashion designer or he's into fashion. And right now he's like, I'm going to wear dresses. Amazing. Great. Has a mustache. Looks very Mexican. I don't know what that means, but like is browner than I am. I'm a white Mexican. And he's a browner kind of Mexican looking person. And I love to wear what we would call a little bit more masculine clothes. Yes. Yeah. Right? And so we would, and, and we were in this swinger event, and we would go out to the pool, and he would be wearing, like, the most beautiful uh, summer dress ever, and I would be wearing, like, my shorts with a nice polo mm-hmm. and my short hair, and he has long hair and a mustache, and people would just, like... <laughs> their just mind our, is just just, just their blown. mind was fucking blown because our <laughs> mere existence you know just going to the fucking pool was a revolutionary act was political it was political just my our mere existence you know and they couldn't fucking understand what was happening but some of the best conversations you know awesome. grew out of it awesome. you know and he was like and he has a husband mm-hmm. they live in chicago you know and people would just be like asking us questions and he'd be like i think my husband would really like this environment and i'm gonna see like he was a newbie in the lifestyle had never gone to any of the lifestyle swinger events mm-hmm. and he was like i think my husband is going to love this hmm. you know and people were like oh okay you know and he's like maybe i can bring my husband next time Mm-hmm. and people had to like catch up and I would be like yeah and my partner mm-hmm. or one of my partners you know the person that I live with everybody is like hey how's M how's your partner you know because everybody knows her and the, in the, I take her to a lot of events you mm-hmm. know and then I take some of my guy friends once I took Trevor mm-hmm. and people don't don't really understand what's happening mm-hmm. I'm not preaching to the choir there no not at all yeah but I'm just existing and then we have some great vulnerable conversations where they're able to say, you know what, I have no clue, like, who you are or what you're about. And, like, can you explain that a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Great. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You got an hour. <laughs> we do it over, we do it in the jacuzzi or the human stewing pot or whatever, or the restaurant or... The soup bowl. You know, the soup bowl, whatever it is. But it's... um. I think it answers this question about preaching to the choir and mm-hmm. biases. But I have this vulnerability to understand that their their comments are going to impact me. Right. Their comments will. But can I say your comments are hurting me? Mm-hmm. And let's talk about why. I think I think that sexual education really is about that and understanding that they carry their own shame. I mean, the ma- toxic masculinity that some of the people in the swinging community have, right? The amount of performance anxiety I support people with in my clinical practice because they're in the lifestyle and they have to perform and I have to teach them it's not about performing, it's about enjoying. Mm-hmm. But the toxic masculinity they carry... They have being, to have they a have, hard penis yeah, for the entire time. Exactly, right? Yeah. And, and the hurt that they carry with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Or that they're hesitant to talk about masculinity and sexuality. Yeah. They're open about talking about how they love blowjobs, but not about how it's hard to perform sometimes or how much Viagra they're taking mm-hmm. that their penis doesn't feel a thing, yeah. but they're able to perform. Yeah, this is a very interesting conversation because it's like... Um... Did I, did I hope I answered... The question. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that was that was brilliant. It's brilliantly answered. Um, this and if I didn't, because mm-hmm. I know that I'm sometimes I don't answer the question. Sometimes I ramble. <laughs> Please get in contact with either Aaron and yeah. I, and I'll try my best to answer it in a way that 
supports you more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. uh, definitely. I would love that as well. Um, this is reminding me like a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago I had on the podcast Darren Infinity. So he is a sex educator who, a kink and relationship educator, I think is his, his preferred title. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things, one of the courses or workshops he offers is like hacking cis male sex sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I love this so much. I love the content of this workshop so much. But my fear is that the folks that this needs to get to, they're not going to attend this workshop. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, how do we get to the people that this information needs to get to? It's like a very difficult thing to think about. How do we access the people that need this type of education the most? Wow. I think it's through conversations. I, when I go to the Swinger events, I always offer a workshop on performance anxiety. Yeah. And you know how many people go? Sorry about that. Yes. Maybe one. <laughs> Maybe one. Yeah. Yet my private clinical practice. Oh yeah. So is, that's the place where people are more likely to it's probably talk like about stuff like this. Seventy percent performance anxiety. Okay. That ma that makes sense. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But how do they get to me? Right? I'm seeing you publicly. From when I do the free seminars that are not called Overcoming Performance Anxiety, but they're called How to Fuck Like a Rockstar. I don't know. Yeah, something. Uh, yeah, some, some little... The science behind fucking. I had somebody complain about my titles, you know, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not into marketing. I don't know. Like, what would you call my fucking seminar so that they, you would come, you know? Like, the but information also, is it, great. You need to get people in the room, you know, and then you can talk about, like, the real shit. But you got to come up with a little tagline that will get yeah, really... those heteronormative people in the room. So I think I said something like 10 <laughs> tips to fuck, to be successful in the lifestyle or for like a fuck like a rock. I don't know. Whatever. Something, yeah. something, something that I don't, the titles are not my. <laughs> and they came, right? Especially if it's the free seminars, they come like flies if it's free. Yeah, sure. And then there... I actually talk about performance anxiety a right. little bit. Yeah. They won't show up for the workshop on performance anxiety, but you got to know how and when to say the things. You know, where I'm in dinner table and we're talking about vibrators. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, vibrators can be sex toys or sexual aids, depending, you know, because sometimes you might, you know, you can put it against your balls and people are like, what? I'm like, yeah, sex toys are not for women or for men, you yeah, know. They're what not gendered, getting, yeah. They're not gendered. And what if you get into a situation where you're in the playroom and all of a sudden you have a little performance anxiety because you can fuck your wife real well in your room, but then you go to the playroom, there's like five other couples, you're in a puppy potty, like in a, in a puppy puddle. <laughs> what did you originally say? puppy. You're in a puppy puddle. <laughs> um, it's kind of like the same thing, just different. You know, it's just a, a person in the middle and then everybody around it, like, sucking on it. Yeah. Um, and your dick doesn't get hard. Yes. Yeah. You know? And silence in the table. Yes. And I'm like, because, of course, that doesn't happen to anybody in yeah, the table nobody here. knows what I'm talking about Nobody right knows now. what I'm talking know. about, you know? And they're like, yeah, nobody knows what you're talking about. But can you speak a little bit more to that? <laughs> Great. You Love know? that. Yes. Just, for, yeah. just for the name. I have a friend. Yeah, yeah. Asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. Exactly. So then I talk a little bit more about it. And then I find that somebody from the table calls me up and actually has a question in private. Love it. Right? And it's about this. How do we provide public spaces and also anonymity and private spaces for people to be able to come forth and talk about the things that are important? Right. I mean, I don't call it toxic masculinity in my seminars with swingers. Yeah. But I do talk about the way that when we're boys, we're told not to cry. Yeah. Or we're yeah. told not to feel emotion. Or we're told that our pleasure doesn't matter because if you want to be great in bed... You better you fuck like a rock star. Fuck like a rock star so she feels pleasure, you know, and fuck a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, wanting to fuck all the time. Always and having a hard penis. Exactly. And how you're a slut if you like sex. Yeah. And yet you have all these swinger people who are either boys or girls or trans folk, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking that the way that they grew up, you know, is the way that they should be. So a lot of women are like, the lifestyle is the only place where I can be a slut. Mm -hmm. But God forbid that in my real life, right. people see me as a slut. So they compartmentalize a lot. Yeah. Like my real life yeah. and my life lifestyle life. Yeah, oh, I, I, um, yeah, I identify with that huge because now with my prodom work, yeah. it's like that is exactly it. Like the dungeon is literally most of the clients. That's the only place where they can, as you're saying, like be a slut or be, you know, be a pup or be a bad boy or a good girl or anything in between. Like that's the only place they can do it. So they are literally walking around in their quote unquote regular normal lives 
and kind of packing that away mm-hmm. because it's shameful back to the shame thing mm-hmm. it's bad it's wrong etc so maybe i won't use language like toxic masculinity you right know, yeah you just masculinity because it's not only about bo- how boys grew up but as a trans person myself i like to delve into my masculinity yeah right and i wanted to be like in my head in my imaginary I wanted to be like this Latin boy, yeah. you know, because that's, that's who I aspired to be when I was a teenager, you know, like the boys who would date girls and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so when I was creating or exploring my masculinity, my mas- the masculinity that I was exploring was a pretty toxic hegemonic Latin American That is so interesting, yes. Right? Yeah. So even in the work that I was doing for my masculinity, I had to understand that I could have different masculinities. And even the way I was fucking, like it started changing. When I started really connecting to my transness and exploring my masculinities, mm-hmm. all of a sudden my partners were like, oh my God, you're becoming really aggressive in bed. <laughs> right? Like yeah. you're be- And I was like, oh, Oh, yeah. I want to be this Latin macho boy. Yeah, that's what I grew up seeing, and that's what I wanted to become. And they so fuck now, like this. And they fuck like this. And I started. I was like, oh, wow. mind blowing. I was like, okay, so now I have, I have to deconstruct my understanding of, of masculinity of masculinity as a Latin macho teenage boy because I'm really into the teenage thing, you know, like yeah. the coming of age, um, yeah, manhood, wild on hormones. Yeah, yes, exactly. Just... Right. And I was like, shit. So if I still want to be a Latin teenager, what kind of Latin teenage boy do I want to be? Or like, how am I going to develop these? And then I started thinking it has to be masculinities, right? So it's not only for the boys that grow into men, right? It's for the people that want to explore those masculinities and femininities. And how do we do it in a healthier way? Yeah. Oh, that that really, yeah, that's very interesting. I have a lot of uh, drag kings on my show on Bedpost. Mm-hmm. And that's something. they're hot. Yeah, aren't they though? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and a conversation I had with uh, Imogen Quest, who actually is going to be performing on the Pride show that oh, you are this month. Sweet. They um, specifically try to do a type of male drag that is not a stereotype, uh, how they said a chin strap drag king Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so they usually strive to do drag king performances that evoke a lot of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and emotion Mm -hmm. yeah and feeling Mm -hmm. uh and that was just such an interesting conversation it's very similar to the one you were just you're just saying like that you know them as most of their life being a femme identified person and now using they them and they're kind of more on the spectrum them yeah trying to figure out oh my god i i held on to some of that toxic masculinity when i was trying to explore that for myself and finding what that means to me like i found this inauthentic kind of stereotype that i had to like check myself right to figure out what was authentic to um to myself and how I explore, how I um, express my masculine self. And so we go a little bit back to the question that we were talking about before about preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. What if I'm doing um, a workshop or a seminar for trans folk, right? right? Who are going on a gender journey mm-hmm. and they want to see how they can fuck, mm-hmm. right? In their in their in their development of their gender identity or their gender expression mm-hmm. if i don't touch on toxic gender stereotypes right mm-hmm. and the masculinities or femininities they're trying to develop or anything in between and beyond mm-hmm. then am i then i'm preaching to the choir in a way that is not challenging the stereotypes mm-hmm. in a way that we need to or or the real challenges that we face as trans people trying to develop our gender identities, Gen- mm-hmm. like develop our, our masculinities, our femininities, or nothing in between, or everything and beyond. You know, like yeah. it's, it's you're either you're either quote unquote passing as a woman or passing as a man, and that's a trans man and that's a trans woman. Uh-huh. And like as far as you know, uh, the public consciousness understanding what it means to be trans, yeah. like that's kind of the current understanding, and we're at the point right now we're we're trying to be like no it's a spectrum and no trans person there's yeah. no nobody was, can look trans and it was it so can look different ways to be yeah. read in bed cuz i'm not transitioning medically or mm-hmm. at least not yet i haven't i have decided not to take any hormones yet i, I don't know what that journey's going to look like so my body looks a certain way right mm-hmm. and when i'm naked it looks a certain way i don't have the i don't have the clothes to dress my gender mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so when i'm in bed fucking 
Mm -hmm. And I want to emulate this. The only thing I can work with at that moment is energy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I have to think about how am I going to work around my energy to portray whatever I'm trying to express that is not toxic and hegemonic. Mm -hmm. so, what, so what do you do? What have you been doing? I've been questioning what it, what it means to be a, a Latin American man, yeah. right? In or the, teenager. Or a teenager, yeah. It, it varies. I like role-playing. I have all kinds of like different <laughs> different personas or different me's. It's not personas. It's, it's, it's who am I bringing to the, to the sheets. <laughs> to the sheets. Or with who am I? With who am I fucking? Or with who am I making love? Or with who am I having fun? And what does that mean, right? It's... It's complicated. Desire and sex and is, is, is simply complicated. Mm -hmm. It can be so simple. It can be like, I'm fucking horny. I want to, you know, what if I'm fucking my Sibian at that moment? Who am I bringing when I sit on top of that? Mm -hmm. You know, thank you, Sibian, for the amazing pleasure that you give us with that beautiful machine, whether you go into a sex club like Oasis and, and have a world there or you actually get to purchase or have your own, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Sibian. Sibian, yeah. I love this, it. This has been brought to you by. This is brought to you. Pleasure has been brought to you by Sibian and Sibian. <laughs> For me, it's the magic wand. That's yeah, it. Sure. You know what I mean, there's that's a go-to. Yeah. And the Weave Tango. Yeah. Those are everybody. My... Everybody has their own, you know, favorites. <laughs> it's your bodies and favorites change. You know, I'm I'm polyamorous in life and polyamorous with my sex toys as well. I love them all. Yep. All in different ways. Yeah, you don't get stuck on one sex toy? No. No. I'm not monogamous in any kind of way. Not in my friends, not in my sex toys, not in my partners. <laughs> and, okay, so this is going to air after we're doing the Pride Bedpost, but one of the things we wanted to talk about on the Bedpost stage show, this idea of, like, the queer sex ed lesson you never got, mm -hmm. that none of us ever got, mm -hmm. because no one teaches queer sex to youths no no so no. how are this hell are you supposed to know and figure it out and so what were we what were we like like i'm gonna be the force behind this it's you what <laughs> we're doing this together i wouldn't be able to to have a show if it wasn't for you so we're doing this together Aww. plus we're like figuring this out yes yes we are yeah very much what do you think are like the important points to hit on in this talk that we're going to have well the fact that you can fuck whoever you want to in whichever way you want to right mm -hmm. i think that for me it's that if i'm going to teach you about body parts and how to stroke them lick them nibble them do how to create sensations on different body parts mm -hmm. right it's about that and understanding that there is the possibility of you being a girl and fucking a girl, another girl, or you being a girl and fucking a girl and a boy and a trans person, mm -hmm. or you being a boy or a trans person. Basically, it's about knowing that your desire is not something that you should be ashamed of mm -hmm. and that there are mechanics. I mean, sex is about desire, but it's also very mechanical and there are things and strokes that you can do. Mm -hmm. and utensils that you can teach that you can and teach, you can learn and you can learn and you can explore or explore <laughs> um right but i think that queering sex education is just really um being inclusive about the language that you're doing in order not to create more shame and to expand possibilities of the things that you can do in bed and outside of it yeah, no, that's important. Language is very important, right? Like, because if you're getting a sex, you're going, you're attending a sex ed lecture or class and you are not hearing your, your name. Yeah. Then, you know, what am I sitting here for? And I don't belong, this doesn't belong to me. This isn't something I can have. Yeah. I mean, I had a, four, I have a, I have a 14 now, 15 year old niece um, who recently came out of the closet to me. And um, one of the questions that she asked was, and it, no, she didn't say, I think I like girls. She fucking, no, she likes she girls. She likes girls. She likes girls. <laughs> Den, uh, I like girls. Yeah. Um, so how do I, she was just like, she was really embarrassed to ask this, but she's like, how do you have sex with girls? I'm a girl. How do I have sex with girls? Like, what do I actually do? Because in the movies, I obviously see penises and they go in and I'm like, and I don't, and she's like, and I don't have one. And I'm like, okay, 
So first of all, great question. Yeah, great question. Age appropriate. <laughs> and I'm like, how? I asked her, how much do you want to know? Because they're like, the pot. It's like infinity. Yeah. How long do you, you got? Know? How yeah, long yeah. do you have? And what do you want to know? Like, because maybe she doesn't want to know about oral sex, you know? And maybe, like, are there things that just seem too yucky for you right now? So age appropriate, right? Like, like you tell me. Yeah, you yeah, tell me what yeah. you want to know. And then I'll tell you what are the different things that you can do to a body. You know, we've got fingers, we've got sex toys, we've got tongues. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you want to learn from that? Like, what do you want to... First of all, sex is about experiencing sensation and giving. So receiving and giving pleasure by stimulating different parts of our bodies, mm-hmm. you know? So, and maybe, yeah, why does a penis... Wh- where is a penis in that yeah, definition? Nowhere. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And maybe you like sex that is about penetration. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. And maybe you like sex that is about... Um, sensations without penetration and maybe you like sex that is just about BDSM kink mm-hmm. you know like so what I'm like what kind of sex are you looking for <laughs> mm-hmm. you know because she knows I she knows I have a colored slave like mm-hmm. that's been in the in my dinner table uh, conversation <laughs> yeah because I have a kitchen slave right she she does my cooking <laughs> and so whenever they came over they were like this is delicious I was like yeah I know Bones made it let's all thank Bones because and they were like who is Bones and then Bones would come out of the kitchen with her color and then they would understand what Bones like who Bones was in my life you know the poor parents having to deal with me um, yeah, exactly. so they do know that BDSM exists so it's just about answering that you know but the fact that somebody said I don't know how to have sex with a girl yeah. You know, and I'm a girl, so how? Yeah. I think queer sex ed is about that opening possibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, telling them that there's infinite possibilities. I mean, mm-hmm. the journeys to your desires are infinite. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a great note to end on. Oh. It is one of my taglines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a little scripted. <laughs> I do practice. You well. know what to do. You know what to do. Dan, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Most times, I'd say. Mm. Um, where, okay, where can people follow you or... Um, Horrible. Yeah, you hate it. Yeah, you want to get... You're getting new merch that says, don't follow me. Yeah, I'm getting, I, the thing is, I didn't grow up with the internet. I don't know how to do social media. I know how to do sex and connection, but yeah. not social media. But I do have things that people can follow me, but to be completely honest... You're not it, crickets. That's yep. what you're gonna get. I is the what the website's the way to website go? Where they the way, can you know website is the way to go because sometimes you'll see videos there or if you wanna contact me, the website has all my contact information. Great. Or uh, so the website is www.sexplore. S e x p l o r e w i t h d e n t e m i n. So sexplore with dentamine. dot com and there you can find my email. But if you need my email, it's dtemin at explorewithdentamine.com mm-hmm. shoot me an email if you have any questions and there you can check out when I'm doing workshops and where what trips I'm going to what mm-hmm. seminars what events what podcasts mm-hmm. basically the website until right. further notice when I get some lovely support for my social media yeah, you get a social media slave to <laughs> to do all that or for whoever you whoever wants to support me in that, that <laughs> you know so whoever wants to support me in that endeavor yeah amazing okay great um, as for bedpost uh, you will see our stage show the third Friday of every month at 8pm at the Social Capital Theater you can follow me uh, at Facebook at bedpost erotica Instagram is the bedpost show again my Patreon is at the bedpost show and and uh, if you want to email me, it's thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com. Um, you're going to hear original music on this podcast. That is by Stephanie Copeland. You can mm. find out more about her art and her music at stephcopelandmusic.com. Um, uh, we are briefly mentioned, me being a pro-dom, so I'll give you my pro-dom social media as well. I'm at theladypim1, both on Instagram and Twitter, though I'm a lot more active on Twitter. Also, oh, I've got a uh, direct booking link that is theritualchamber.ca slash lady-pim. So that's where you can find me for private sessions in a lovely, fantastic dungeon right in the heart of Toronto. Um, Put your money's where your desires are, folks. Support us, really. Come look for our services, whether it's a mm-hmm. clinical service therapeutic that you're looking for, mm-hmm. or seminars, or workshops, or private home parties, or a private session with Aaron. But really, put your money's where your desires are, because it's about not creating a capitalistic society, but really supporting the people that our our labor is not free. Yes. And um, yes, you know, yes, it, yes. it's it it's not supposed to. So. 
support us support your desires and also i mean don't be afraid to like invest in this part of your life that a lot of us you know don't think is important to Mm -hmm. spend money on or like even time and energy Mm -hmm. on like take take workshops like like it's important sex and sexuality desire fantasy uh pleasure all of that stuff is such an important part of our lives take workshops pay a sex worker pay a pro dom if that's you know like we're all i'm a sex worker you know i just took a different kind of sex work than somebody who's pro doming but i i also work in the sex industry and and my clinical practice is also a type of sex work Mm -hmm. you know come to a photo shoot uh, at boudoir a boudoir photo shoot at trevor's studio you know invest invest in yourselves that's that's the, the same way that i like to spend my money at a mom and pops in the village because i know that i'm supporting a local business i'd like to be seen as a local business as well or as Aaron as a local business so just support us so that and and both of us are wearing our sex educator merch too from yeah. our peg the patriarchy den is wearing by luna matata yeah i love i love luna matata and i'm wearing my strippers are people shirt uh by jack the stripper so so there you go. Put, so your, there you put go. your money where your desires are. And thank you for listening. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dan, one last time. And thank you to all the listeners. We'll see you next week with another fantastic guest. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.